Hey, this is in your best interest. I'm Philip Müller. Today, I'm joined by Michael Borschert, Executive Director and Co-Founder of Avrio Wealth. And we talk about the top questions that you should ask your financial advisor. We also discuss what you should understand when choosing a financial advisor, such as the experience and certifications and how they're compensated. I hope you enjoy it. And if you do, be sure to subscribe and consider leaving us a review and sharing with your friends. Thanks for joining us again in another episode of In Your Best Interest podcast presented by Stashaway. Um, super excited. Today's topic is um, the top questions you should be asking your financial advisor. And it's a super interesting topic. And we have a wonderful guest joining us. He's not only uh, very knowledgeable in this field uh, as he's a certified financial planner, but he's also become a good friend over the last uh, two years now that we know each other. And his name is Michael Borschert. He is with Avrio Wealth. He's an owner, director at the financial uh, planning company here in Singapore. And um, today, we, like I said before, we're going to go through some of the top questions you should be asking your financial advisor because there is a lot of people that call themselves financial advisors and only few that actually um, give very honest and genuine advice uh, to their clients. So that's something that we really want to demystify here on the podcast today. With that being said, uh, Michael, do you want to give a quick intro about yourself before we get started? Um, sure. Thank you, Philip. And again, really appreciate the chance to be here on the show with you and um, share your knowledge with everyone. Um, just a quick intro to myself. You've actually hit on all the really major points. Um, I am a certified financial planner. I am an owner director of Avrio Wealth here in Singapore. I've been in Singapore now for coming up just over 10 years, and I've been in Asia now for just over 18. Yeah, and I think this is, uh, this is the interesting part because even though we've known each other for a while and know some of your, your background, I think it would be quite uh, quite interesting to, to talk about some of those uh, things that let you to be here in Singapore now and being a financial advisor, um, we always like to, to to speak to our guests and you know learn a little bit more about them, and also about uh, some of their money habits. Um, so with that being said, and so we both met, I think it's almost two years ago. I remember it quite vividly. We we were at the um, uh, SGX uh, auditorium. Uh, I was listening to the, I think it was actually this uh, the CFP, some kind of CFP conference. And you were at the time um, giving a speech there, and I, you know, I, I, I took the courage and walked up to you and introduced myself. And uh, you know, ever since we've we've been in touch uh, and uh, also been you know working on a few projects. But uh, I think that was the time, right? I think about two years ago. That's just over two years ago. Yeah, we were at the that was the Financial Planning Association of Singapore. Uh, that yeah, was that's one what of it our, was exactly. Um, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> correct. Yeah, one of our market one of our market reviews, and I was the moderator for the panel. Yeah, um, with the specialists, and yeah, you did come up and catch up with me afterwards, and it's been really good working with you and Stashway ever since. Yeah, no, the, this was this so so we know each other for quite some time, but even though we do, uh, we we did have some uh, you know, coffee chats and dinners together. I think it would be still nice to know a few more things that I'm also quite uh, keen on exploring as well. And um, you said you've been in Asia now, I think you said 10 years here, seven years more in, in somewhere else in Asia, but where did you grow up? Like where, where originally are you from? I'm actually originally from the United States. I, um, I actually come from a military family. So I grew up living all over the US, um, actually grew up in Mississippi, Texas, Ohio, and North Carolina. 
and um, left. I left the U.S. just after I graduated college, um, and I started a job in Shanghai, China. Oh wow! And I was in Shanghai, yeah, Shanghai for about eight years, and um, then moved to Singapore just directly from there um, to actually start in personal financial um, planning here in Singapore. Yeah, no, interesting. So let's go back to the. I always, I'm always interested. You know how how your upbringing kind of like you know shapes people's lives, not only just you know you know personally, but a lot of times financially as well, right? So depending on you know what you, what your family was doing and how they were managing finances, by being in, in you know in a military home and growing up uh, in that environment, I assume there was a lot of like you know strictness maybe right or um you know certain things have to be a certain way anything from that background that now still shape kind of like your personal finances at all um i i would say in terms of how i really got started on the financial advisor track actually tracks back to my dad um saving for my my university fund mm. and what he was doing uh when i was a basically a child up through when i was a teenager was he was investing in mutual funds And when I was about 10, I started asking him questions because he would get up on Sundays and, and read the paper and was just kind of checking the um, mutual fund reports from the newspaper as you did back before the internet started. And, uh, and yeah, we're that old. <laughs> and um, <laughs> and um, I started asking him about it and he said, well, let's, let, me, let me show you how everything's done and let's get you involved in this. And so I actually started doing you know, when I was about 10 or 11 is when I started actually doing some initial research on how mutual funds worked. Uh, why we were saving with them for college. Um, and then I got involved in the, you know, actually he had me set up in a bank account so I could start saving cash and then move on from there. So kind of, I'd say most of my life, I've been somewhat involved in financial planning. And I think that's really what sparked my interest in finance yeah. um, going forward when I went to college. Um, and then everything I've basically done since I've graduated has been basically involved with that so yeah i'd say that definitely was part of my upbringing influence no, that, that. it's super interesting that your your, your dad's done it and you actually took an interest in it right because i think yeah. for me exactly it was probably the opposite because uh, in germany people tend to not invest in stocks and bonds in general it's mostly real estate right uh, cash savings and things like that so i never was really involved in it until you know i did my high school exchange in the us and i was living uh, with a family there and uh, my host dad uh, was in finance they had their own firm doing institutional money management which then sparked my interest and let me go to university and study finance right but um so yours was much earlier and i've been hearing this this is a very cultural difference actually right because in the us it's so normal because you know college tuition costs so people start saving and investing um for their children so they get exposed to it it's it's, it's very quite interesting to see um the differences between you know maybe europe and uh, the us and then also asia um it's super interesting uh to to hear your story there <laughs> no and that's um in terms of where that kind of took off from and in college i did study international business had an economics minor so again still staying along kind of that finance track um and then when i worked in china i actually worked for a small business firm that was doing basically joint venture finance for companies um, between mm -hmm. the US and China, um, working on supply chain management in some other areas. 
And that again is continued through. I worked with a lot of small business owners in that job and a lot of questions that I'm still getting today. Actually, I had a great experience working with them because I saw how small business owners were focusing very much on their companies and, mm -hmm. and sometimes forgetting to focus on themselves. And to this day, believe it or not, I still see that happen um, as now a full-time planner. A lot of those experiences have translated and evolved with me um, into my job here um, yeah. as a certified financial planner. Yeah, and I think it's certainly true. I had the same experience, right? Especially the people, you know, uh, we were advising in back in the U.S. as well was, uh, you know, a lot of business owner, right? Because they they do are, they are able to, you know, create a lot of value for their business, which you know translate into paper wealth, right? But it's not very diversified. So these people are like they they they're so focused on growing their business, making payroll, you know, taking care of their employees, that they spend very little time on actually looking at their personal finances and what's next, right? What if they don't have children? What if they have children? Do they have a succession plan or do they want to sell the business? You know, because yeah. the asset is still there that they've been building for such a long time, right? Yeah, and there's a, there's a lot of things we do go into with clients, specifically in that situation. Um, yeah. We're trying to build out a plan for them that incorporates their business. How do they want to value themselves within that business? And, and how do they want that business to reflect as a goal or as part of their plan, long-term, short-term, um, with all those things. So. Yeah, no, I to totally agree. Um, so what I do like to ask uh, every one of our guests, um, okay. uh, because I think we get always a lot out of it. And I think we, you know, we get listeners from young to old. Um, so I think this one resonates with everyone because it either makes them think of what do I want to do first or, Oh, I have, um, I had a different experience or the same experience. And that question is, you know, what is the best investment that you have ever made? Uh, that's a good question. I'd say the, okay, I, I actually, okay. The main, the, the, the main answer that jumps to mind with that actually is the best investment I ever made was actually investing in continuing education for myself. Hmm. Um, because in terms of, I would say, if you look at it from a financial perspective, when I've done things in my life, i.e. taken extra courses, um, paid and became studied, became a fi certified financial planner, in terms of return on investment, I think education is the best you'll ever see. Um, you know, getting a college education, going forward and getting advanced degrees or just getting advanced qualifications within your own profession, I think really help you build a better business, um, help you really understand what you're doing and have a passion for. Um, but also really give you a return in terms of what you made beyond any kind of single, Hey, you know, we picked this stock or we did this investment or anything else. I think investing in yourself, believe it or not, gives you, puts you in the position to make more than any other best investment idea you can have. Yeah. And I think that's an answer you hear, we'll hear from a lot of people because I think the people who did go through this and, you know, did get advanced degrees or continuing education, um, will always put this probably uh, right at the, you know, at least in the top three of each list, right? Because it really gives you some satisfaction. You worked hard for it on top of it, right? And so the outcome is even better uh, and the feeling of accomplishment on top of that. So I think, yeah, uh, very, very, very good one uh, to list here. And the one other thing um, before we switch gears and go into the actual topic of uh, questions that anyone should ask their financial advisor is how, um, uh, what was your first 
um, purchase or investment that you have made when you got your first paycheck? Do you still remember this? I know it's a long time ago. Uh, I had this with Freddie before. I think with okay. Freddie it was uh, he um, he paid off uh, or he started paying his parents' mortgage um, in, in Malaysia. But uh, f you know, for everyone, it's it's a little different. It, what, what what it was for you? Oh wow. Okay. Well, my my first job, my first real job that I ever had, um, I could say in terms of getting a paycheck from, was I worked at a local dive shop when yeah. I was fifteen. Um, and to be quite honest, the first thing I bought with my first paycheck was gas for my car. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's good. Hey, that, yeah. Because I, I took care of you know, you had to, I had to take care of everything on my own. And in order to have a, a car to go to high school, which again is a very American thing. Yes. Um, in order to do that, I had to take care of all those expenses myself um, so that I could uh, go to school and then I could go to what I was doing for studying after school. And all of that, I actually had to do pay for my own expense. So I'd be honest, that was my very first thing I paid for was gas for my car. So nothing no so noble as paying for my, my parents' mortgage. But I think this one, the, the, the one you're now mentioning is, I think, what a lot of you know people have to do, right? So you, know, you pay yeah. your daily expenses. You can't rely on your, you know, your parents all the time. And I think it teaches also um, a valuable lesson of, the value of money right yeah. you know because oh, now you work for it you're going to be much more careful about how you spend it than if you're getting allowance from your parents right oh, uh, yeah. because it feels like oh if you get an allowance from your parents it's more like casino money right oh i just want it uh, it's it's much easier to spend than if you really worked for it for you know a month time and now you have to spend it on uh, gas right for your car <laughs> yeah was first my first experience with budgeting literally was when i had my first job trying to trying to make sure you covered all your basis for what you had for expenses each month and then what you were making. Because again, the hours you worked where I worked at my job were dependent upon a going to school um, B, you know, cause you work the weekends where they off cause sometimes the shop was closed when they were on trips and other things. So it, it, there was a, it was an interesting process again. Yeah. You know, the things that have shaped you and pushed you into what you love doing. Um, that's definitely one of the other connections I'd say I had from that was just learning how to take care of money on my own. Yeah, um, super, super important lessons. Yeah, no, yeah, super important lessons for people to learn because especially since it's not really taught in school, right? So, so these are the the life lessons you learn along the way. I feel, or if you, you know, some people have mentors, or their, you know, their parents are very good at it, or grandparents, or whoever does teach you um, uh, or not, right? Uh, you'll probably have some stories from, you know, clients that never went through this uh, uh, when we talk more about financial advising. But before we get into this, um, for anyone, you know, the, everyone probably has heard, you know, the term financial advisor before. Some people probably have like a very, you know, fond memories uh, when they hear financial advisors. Some have, you know, probably like, um, fold their uh, hands in front of their face and uh, um, sighing because they might have had a really bad experience. I think I've seen both from uh, be, you know, being a financial advisor now for almost you know, seven, eight years as well. Um, so you see both. And why is that actually? And I think hopefully we can demystify some of the things with you, Michael, today. But I think um, the reason is twofold, right? For once, I think... In Asia specifically, um, financial advisors 
are still seeing a lot as you know sales agents right so you know like even some insurance agent or some you know someone working for a brokerage firm you know might say they're a financial advisor and they they want to do a financial plan with you but my experience so far talking to you know clients here um you know and experiences from friends and family here uh you often get the feeling that they're only wanting to do a financial plan because they then want to sell you products right um and these products you know you know can be very expensive they can be not suitable because the financial plan has not been done really well so i think that's a big difference because what i experienced in the us especially i know you know working there is that you know a financial advisor there looks a little looks at everything a little bit more holistically and there's also different ways of compensation that um we're definitely going to get into today and what should be the you know the best case scenario when it comes to compensating your financial advisor so i think it's a topic that is you know very universally interesting for a lot a lot of people because there is no you know one size fits all step in and hopefully will help you to to, to avoid those uh, in the future so michael um with that being said let's let's get right into it and maybe you can explain I, I i tried a little bit here in the intro but maybe you can go a little bit deeper on what actually a financial advisor does okay um i think in terms of making that kind of a an easy to digest question i i look at a financial advisor as a person who helps you build your financial plan and a true financial advisor will always start with a financial plan and in that financial plan you're going to go through your goals um, go through your dreams um, and bring into, I would say, to bring into focus not only what you already understand in terms of what you may have already built into your plan, but also help you bring up ideas that you may not have looked at yet. And I think that very much ties into what you said about being holistic. We want to take a, a look at not only your whole entire financial life, but how does your financial life actually interact with your real life? You know, what do you want to achieve? What are you facing currently? Um, what are questions that you have about many areas of aspects of planning and even going into areas like what happens if you're gone? What about estate planning? What about all those things that you may not have thought of? Um, I think in terms of what is when a financial advisor do beyond just starting out in terms of looking at a financial plan, I think a financial plan or planner should really listen to you. Um, and at the same time, ask questions to really understand you better, not just, you know, hey, fill out a, a financial questionnaire, but really get to understand you and how you think. Um, I think a financial planner should educate mm -hmm. um, and really help people understand what it is they're looking at. What it is I think that's a lot of times that people don't understand what they're actually buying, right? Well, um, yeah, yeah, from a, from a purchasing perspective, but just on the overall idea of, well, why is retirement structured that way. You, you know, education goes along many, many lines. And I think that when, with a true financial planner, you have the, the benefit of actually being able to get to that education and being comfortable with somebody who you can ask those questions to. Um, kind of, again, I, I don't want to just list too many things here, but above and beyond that really help you kind of separate emotion from finance. Um, yeah. I think people sometimes they, you know, money is important to people and there's a lot of emotion attached to it. You go out, you earn it. 
Um, you feel good about it. And in terms of trying to use money or your finances to, to forge your life and forge your goals, at what point can you be emotional? And sometimes how do you separate the emotion from that and help you better understand what you can do yourself for your plan? Yeah, um, no, agree. Yeah. What, what, what would you say that? So, so when you go, like, let's say you meet, uh, you know, you're about to meet a client, maybe it was a referral or whatever. You don't go into that meeting with thinking like, hey, what can I sell this person, right? Do you no. go, what, what, is your, what is your mindset going into that conversation? And what, why I'm asking this is, is for people to understand, you know, what, what, what goes through, you know, a financial advisor like you when you first meet with them, right? The end result of that. Okay, no, and I, it's a, that's a really good question. Let me kind of answer it, I think, a little differently. I think when you're meeting, when you're when you're somebody who's looking for help with your finances, I think you first want to ask the person that you meet, i.e., if you were meeting me, um, how do I see myself as uh, you know a financial advisor? In in Singapore, we are all kind of labeled as we're labeled as financial advisor representatives. That is mostly what our licenses call us, but in but that doesn't necessarily mean that's what we do as a process. In terms of working with you, my process is I, I provide a service. I go in to sit down with a client, explain to them how I work, see how they want to work, understand their expectations, and know that I always start with a financial plan. I don't go in to say, hey, um, today I'm going to sell you insurance or today I'm going to try to make you do investing. Believe it or not, I have when I have a referral client come in, some of them will come in directly and say, hey, listen, I really want to invest money. And I'll be that. I say, great, okay, but can we can we figure out why you want to do that? What's the money for? What's it about? It's not just you know opening an, uh, an investment account and starting to invest. No, There's but I think this, more you, you were that. just saying. I think was yeah. really important. I think the part about even though they might or in their mind they have a goal of the meeting, you're trying to uncover what's underneath, right? Like you're almost like yeah. peeling the onion back right slowly to get a very better understanding of why did they want to do this, right? Because there's more usually to it than what the client, he, he has maybe the end goal in mind, investing money, right? But there's steps along the way that would be beneficial for them to talk about, right? And for yeah. you to learn. Yes, and I, I think as a, from a client perspective, I think they should be peeling back the onion on the advisor as well. I mean, I know that some of the questions will probably go through regards that, how do you get paid? What do you do? Where do you, how are you qualified? I, I think a first meeting that, that people go into should be one for your advisor to learn about you, but you just as much to learn about your advisor and really understand, is it something, do you want to work together? Yes, um, there has to be like yeah. a personal co connection, but there also has to be, you know, tr like you have to have trust from both sides, right? Correct. Yes. Most yeah, and I think I think one of the things that you know people you know are also before we get into the commercial aspect of that you know that transaction or the meeting between a, an advisor and its clients is what do you say to people um, you know that are younger or you know that are saying for example oh I don't need a financial planner like what when do you think people should use a financial planner is there a given age that someone should use um, do you, you know, send people away if they're too young or do you still give them some advice? What is kind of like the sweet spot of, Hey, I think it's time for me to, you know, not just dabble into, you know, saving a little bit and putting into stocks, but now it's time to sit down with Michael and actually go over financial plan. When, when, when is that 
to you that sweet spot? Oh, that's a see. I'm I'm biased. I'm a I'm a financial planner, so I think everyone needs a financial plan. Yeah. Um, but I think that the financial plan change it does change based on where you are in life. If you're just getting out of school, do you need a a long, complicated, drawn out financial plan that that um, goes into super detailed aspects of maybe what you're facing with retirement and um, and estate planning and all that. It's good to touch on that definitely when you're just coming out of college or, or younger in your 20s. But I think a financial plan at that age would focus more on you know getting cash flow management together, understanding what your buying power is, starting to define some of your goals when you're in your 20s. You're gonna, you, I mean, you just down the road probably want to buy a house. Uh, maybe get married, maybe travel a lot. How are you setting up your finances to work on that? Um, and I, I think a financial plan can help with that. I, I don't have a single financial plan that fits everybody. My financial plans do change based on where people are in life and where their priorities are. So do I believe everybody should have a financial plan? Yes. Will all the financial plans look the same that based on where you are in age and what you're dealing with? No, they are they are different for every client in that sense. But yeah. Of, yeah, if you're moving, you know, if you're younger, you're going to be focusing on different things than if you're older, most definitely. Do I think you can still get a lot out of planning and questioning? The younger you start planning, the better off you are. I always um, tell that people in, in yeah. any kind of seminars that we give and yeah. stuff, right? And you show them, yeah. you know, power of compound interest and getting just even in the habit of saving, right? And investing yeah. for the future. The earlier you can do that, it becomes that habit, right? You don't, yeah. you know, and once a bit, once it's a habit, you're on the right track, right? But again, the earlier, the better. Not to say that you shouldn't ever start, you know, if it, if you're later on in life. But, you know, the earlier you can start, I, I must totally agree with you on that. Well, the other um, the other. Quickly on that, the, the other thing I think people learn from a life lesson is as I, once you get out of college and start working, life tends to speed up quite quickly because yes. you don't have you're not breaking up life with changing grades or moving from being a sophomore, junior in college, all that. You're in, you're out working, you're out doing your thing, and and you'll you'll blink and it's 10 years down the road. And again, I think that's why it's the advantage to have a, a plan in place because it does help you start early, keep on track. Um, and know when things are changing so that maybe you need to update that plan. Yeah, no, no, absolutely. Um, so that that hopefully, you know, clears up a, a lot of the questions uh, will probably a lot of people have, right? Because it is a tough decision to, to you say, hey, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm too young. I don't have enough assets to get started. But I think there's, like you said, no right time. The right time is now, right? The, the sooner, the better. But um, let's move on. Um, and then you touched it already. Um, a little bit. One of the big, big questions uh, I told, I talked about already. Um, you know, advisors selling products and using financial plans just for that scenario. Um, but how do financial advisors like you get paid? And what would you say is the ideal, you know, you know, compensation methods that so that you are mostly aligned with your clients and kind of like um, the client gets the most out of the exercise as well. Um, okay. A couple of good questions there. And if it's okay, I'll kind of touch on them as, as we go yep. through um, the detail. I, in terms of how we get paid, my, as a, I am what's called a fee-based advisor. So my fees are transparent to clients. Um, and what I do is if you, if you simplify my services, they're broken into two parts. One is, is I get paid a set fee for writing a financial plan. So when I meet with the client, I go through, 
We look at what we want to achieve, how we want to structure. We have a number of meetings. We work together. Um, we go really in depth and we build a plan. There's a full report attached to it. There's a lot of advice and education that go into it. There's a, effectively a lot of value add, but that is a set fee. And then if clients want to continue working with us, if they want us to open their investment accounts, start structuring that, um, work on that, we have a separate fee um, and structure for that. I in, in Singapore itself, the division, the idea of, of are you fee-based or are you commission-based um, is actually quite new. And the rest of the world, like you worked in the US, I come from the US, the, um, Europe, Australia, Japan, most, most countries are moving towards a fee-based model. Commissions are starting to disappear from the industry because of what you mentioned. They want advisors to be, their interest to be aligned with clients. Um, in Singapore, we're, we're moving towards that. My firm, um, in terms of, uh, we are new in Singapore in terms of we just started, but our, our fee-based approach, all of myself and my partners have been following this for quite some time. Not all firms in Singapore are fee-based. Um, some of them are commission only. And it's not that all commission advisors are bad. Um, it's just that when you're sitting down with someone, with an advisor, you want to make sure you're asking them, hey, why are you suggesting this? Does this fit my goals? And why are you suggesting something over something else? Um, are you doing that just because you get paid more? Those are good questions to ask. The systems themselves, in terms of just history, that's kind of why we are where we are as a market. It's not bad or good. It's just where it stands. Um, but I think you'll find that our focuses are slightly different. If you met with just a standard insurance agent who just sells insurance, their focus is not going to be primarily on financial planning. It's just going to be say, hey, what problems can I solve from you? Uh, and what, what products do I have that fit that model? As a fee-based planner and as a true financial planner, when you're writing a holistic financial plan, you're going to be looking at many different areas. And some of those areas may be just cash management. How do we kind of rearrange your budget? Um, what we call cash layering or cash structuring. Hey, listen, maybe you need to set up an emergency fund um, just to make sure you've got cash for you in the long term. Have you done an estate plan? Can we talk about what an estate plan looks like? Most of the time in a traditional commission model, you wouldn't be getting compensated for that advice. That would be effectively, unfortunately, taking away from what may be helping you buy a product or have the client invest. So it's in terms of how do you align interests? What are you looking at? You want to make sure you're asking that question of your advisors. And if you're looking for a financial plan, just looking versus just buying insurance or buying an investment, you may want to be asking yourself what kind of advisor you want to work with. And I think that would help give clients focus um, in terms of asking the right questions, but also know what is it I'm trying to achieve um, so that they're better prepared to ask. And they're also really working with somebody who is aligning their interests with what they want. No, I think I think that those are all really good points, and uh, you touched on it a little bit, right? Obviously, on the commission side of things, right? So in Singapore, what I have the feeling, and you know, I'm, uh, you know, I work at Stashway, but um, and we do digital advice and things like that. But um, what I hear from, you know, you know, friends and you know, also colleagues and you know, people more locally uh, from 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 Southeast Asia is that they still don't really can wrap around uh, wrap their head around the fact of fee based, right? So I'm paid because it's so it's so transparent, like you said, right? It's here is the fee. It's one percent, let's just say, right? It's one percent. Whereas 
if they're being sold products, there's a lot of times these fees that you can't see, right? So they might look, you know, because it's not an ongoing yearly fee in your mind, because it's not straight, you know, you're not showing this as the advisor. Um, but there's a lot of hidden fees. So when it comes to the total all-in costs, right, it's very important to understand that. Do you have any advice on how people can decipher, you know, or what is an approach they should use before they get into um, a relationship with, you know, a you know, financial advisor or buying any kind of product? Okay. Well, actually, I think that's two separate. It's, it's a good question, I think, it's, but it's two separate parts. Um, in terms of working with an advisor, I know I know many insurance agents here who are good insurance agents. I know many of them who do part of their advisory process is they do still give some financial advice. Um, it's simply that their model or how they provide their service is funded by commission or assets under management. Um, whereas someone like myself is is very service based. Think of us like a lawyer or like a doctor. Um, and that as you spend more time, there's simply more fee um, or there's more complexity. There's a fee for that in, in, in a continual basis. Um, I think separating that from looking at it from, am I looking for just financial advice? Um, am I looking for somebody to help me build a plan? Or am I trying to work with somebody just because I feel like I need life cover? Um, I think that's going to help you determine your focus in terms of A, who you want to work with, B, what kind of goal you want to achieve. Um, and also prepare you for the questions to ask. When it comes to purchasing and how do you get transparent on fees and how do you break that down, when it comes into a process of, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm looking at an insurance plan or I'm looking at an investment plan or I'm, I'm looking at these products that combine insurance and investment, like a whole of life plan, the most important thing to do there is to do comparison. Um, all products, all insurance plans sold in Singapore have what's known as a, as a product illustration and if you ask your advisor to go into depth on that, and I suggest that you do, um, it will break down. They're very complex to look at. I, they, they are complex. I've, I've they seen complex. some. <laughs> yeah. Well, they, they are complex, but they have they do have single pages that point out how much distribution cost is attributed, i.e., how much commission is paid. Yeah. Um, and you know the product brochures are going to break down what's going on, but it is part of the advisor's job to to go through that with you and make sure that you do understand the product that you're purchasing. Um, so that there is transparency in terms of A, how does the product charge fees? And B, how does the advisor get paid from those fees? Because remember, not all the fees go to the advisor. Some yeah. of the fees are paid for the insurance and other ideas. So it, the, the best basis for that is to compare. If you said, well, I just want insurance, well, should I take term, which is just you know basically paying a premium for coverage, or should I take a whole of life, which maybe combines investment with term, Many philosophy, uh, advisors are going to have different philosophies on that, but comparing those and asking questions as a person working with an advisor is your most important tool in terms of really understanding that. And if the advisor gets impatient or doesn't want to explain it to you, then you may be starting to run into somebody who's maybe not a good agent. They're just trying to sell you something, get a commission and move on. Um, but there are a lot of good, I never want to make it sound like if you're commission-based, you're a bad advisor. There are a lot of good advisors out there. It's just understanding what their priority is in terms of their process and whether that process matches with you. Yeah, and I think you made a good point. You know, I think the doing comparison shopping is always a good idea. Mm -hmm. um, most people do it for every other product that they ever buy, right? So yes. most people, yeah. if a product is more than $100, most people will do some kind of comparison, especially nowadays with the internet making everything so transparent, right? you will be able to compare different products that are, you know, um, 
that are within this, you know, within the same sphere. Uh, what are the costs? Is co cost is maybe not also always the best indicator of if it's a good or a bad product, right? Um, but at least you can do quite a lot of research already with online to get an opinion from third parties as well. And I think that that goes for especially for you know financial products because usually the impact is quite big it's a large sum of money and it's an investment for a certain period of years right so you want to really dig into it and you know get comfortable before you purchase anything or uh, in, in in that regards um so with fees out of the way i think that was very 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 great overview mike um what are some of the qualifications that someone should look into uh their advisors so let's okay. say is there anything where you say hey if they have this qualification i would feel much more comfortable um going with them in the first place is that you know maybe this is like the you know you get recommended a few people and maybe that's the first thing you're asking for well i think it's important it, it's a good question and it's it's good that people understand what they're looking for when they meet with an advisor i think if i can again use the comparison of of you know thinking about say a doctor or a lawyer as a service-based idea. Um, I think it's, it should follow along the same lines. You know, when you're a doctor, you go to college and then you go to medical school and then you go to residency and you have to do many things in order to qualify to be a good doctor. To be a lawyer, you have to go to undergraduate school, then you have to go to law school, then you've got to do, you know, you got to pass your exams and then you normally work with older lawyers to learn the, the, um, the profession. In financial advising, um, there's been a very big push over the years here in Singapore as regulation has required that advisors carry more and more education and base um, qualifications in order to do the job because just like a lawyer and a doctor, we're dealing with very important things, which is your money, your financial future, and your life, effectively. Um, and in terms of coming out as a financial advisor, in order to qualify for to be a financial advisor representative in Singapore, um, you have to pass a number of exams, all right? Um, and beyond that, you have to have, I believe now, the minimum entries. You have to have a college degree um, or equivalents, and you have to take exams um, and, you know, not have been arrested or, you know, have a bad background in terms of that. Because there's that difference of, you know, you can take some exams and become a financial advisor. I, I think it's important that if you are, again, there are very good advisors who that's what they have. That's a base qualification. But if you're really looking for an established qualification on top of that, I would look for advisors who have invested in their profession or invested in their career a little more and gone for advanced qualifications like certified financial planner or chartered financial consultant. Um, those are, those are um, two uh, qualifications that are done by two different certifying bodies. Um, but to, to be honest, they're very similar in terms of the fact that you're, you, in order to, to, go for the qualification and study, you had to have been an advisor for at least three years. You've had to have a previous experience being an advisor. You get into the program. You have to do a lot of in-depth studies. Usually finishing the program takes anywhere between a year to two years, depending. You take a number of extended exams. You have to get really in-depth into specifics on things like financial planning above and beyond just investing or insurance, um, but actually putting together a financial plan. So if the, depending on what you're looking for, if you're really looking for someone who's got a focus on financial planning, then I would look for a, a basically an advanced qualification like certified financial planner or chartered financial consultant um, as a minimum for working with an advisor. Yeah, no, no. 
thanks for that, Michael, because I think that's that's quite interesting because you know a lot of people there's a sea of them, right? Like you yeah. said before, and everyone is called a financial advisor if you're kind of in that field. So 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 it does make sense to to do again the, the comparison, right? Also between different advisors, get a feel for them. You don't have to sign on the line in the first meeting either, right? So no. it's all about it's all about asking these questions and peeling that onion we 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 said earlier today. Um, so let's switch gears here for a second and talk about investing. Um, because one set of questions we went through now is more about you know the relationship with the advisor. You know how how how, do, how does an advisor get paid? Um, what do they do? And what qualifications do they have? But let's go to investing because a lot of people when they think about financial advisor at some point they think about investing, right? Because you go to the financial, you get a financial plan. At some point you need to start investing to reach your goals such as retirement or kids' college. Like you mentioned earlier, your dad started that when you were quite young. So what are the questions that you should ask the financial advisor when it comes to investing? Okay. I, I think um, taking a look at this, I'm, the questions I'm going to kind of go through this are going to seem a little different than normal. Um, I think a lot of people, when they start talking about investing, they immediately get focused on uh, how much am I going to make in return and, and what am I investing in and, and other things. And those are good questions in terms of understanding what you want to do with investing in the long term. But I, I think some of the base questions that you really need to ask yourself and, and ask the advisor you're working with, if I may just list a couple. First is, how does this investment or what investments I'm looking at really align with my financial plan? Because in all reality, um, investing for investing's sake, sure, we want to have our money grow, but answering that question of, of what does this investment do within my financial plan really will help you define many aspects of that investment, i.e. time horizon, how long you're going to invest for, um, what kind of risks or associated kind of portfolio asset allocation do you want to start using with that? Um, what kind of you know currency? How much am I going to be saving? How do I save? Do I do it monthly? Do I do it annually? And I, think I think this is yeah. the importance of doing the financial planning piece. Planning. Yeah, <laughs> I sorry, always sorry, tell sorry. people no because we <laughs> get uh, so we do some you know set you know we do some our academy seminars right and you know yeah. module one is financial planning module two builds up on that and is investment uh, planning right and yeah. so you get much more people wanting to go to the investment section, but they never went to the financial planning section, right? Yeah. And I know the sexy thing to do is the investment part, right? But uh, you have to have that solid work of a financial plan done. You have to be financially savvy to graduate to investing, right? And I think this is what you're trying to say here as well. And yeah, and, and building upon that um, greed, you need to really have that plan in place. Why am I investing and how does that reflect my plan? Beyond that, before you even start investing is asking yourself, have I built a foundation in my plan that allows me to invest? Um, many times for clients when we're working with them, there are some baseline things we like to see them prepared with before they actually start investing, like an emergency fund, um, potentially depending on anything, a tax fund. Um, having some things in place so that the, the one thing we tend to see people stumble on is they're in such a hurry to start investing, they start investing all of their cash. And then when you have something like happening right now with the pandemic, um, you know, there may be a job loss or there may be something that happens where they have to access their investments to get cash. And unfortunately, it's not the right time to be pulling money out of the market. 
Um, and so they didn't have a, they didn't have, you know, like you work on, we work on together on the seminars, a plan B, they didn't have an emergency fund. So sometimes it's good to ask, am I ready to invest yet? Am I prepared in my financial plan to actually start investing? Because remember when you start investing, you want to be investing for the long term. You want to be investing in certain, with certain strategies in mind so that you can control your risk. And the third thing, and I don't want to cut too far ahead of this, but I think the third thing you really have to understand and you need to ask yourself is, do I understand risk and do I understand the risks associated with investments and what is my capacity for loss with this investment and within my entire financial plan so that I'm better prepared um, to invest and I'm investing in a way that really meets my own feelings, emotions for investing and my own what we call risk tolerance. Yeah, I think that's important. Yeah. And I think this is where an advisor can help quite a bit as well, right? Um, because uh, a lot of people, like I said, the sexy thing is the investment piece. So it's not, and especially in Asia, usually savings rate are quite high, right? So savings, um, a lot of times here, from what I see, is not the problem. Here, it's more the investing piece. And I think you you said it quite frankly, uh, right? It's, uh, you see a lot of people, yeah, they have some you know investments they they bought some stocks or they bought some REITs or you know um, some real estate, um, but without a financial plan, and you know then then they come to you and what are you going to do now, right? Now we have to decipher why did you make these investments, right? A lot of people don't actually ask themselves that question. They just know they need to invest because they talk to their friends and they're investing, right? Um, and you always want to talk about nice gains or I bought this stock at the right time and things like that, right? Uh, yeah, a lot of people do, but they're they're attaching they're they're attaching that emotional part to it. I think in terms of hey, I made a gain or I got a little good of things out of it. And, it, and investing is sexy. It's fun. It's interesting. Um, yeah. Again, it's part of a passion of what we do for our job. Right. Um, but it it also has to be paired with with um, the plan. It has to be paired with your goals, and it has to be paired with you because what you and want to, maybe what's best for you investing may not be what your friend is doing. Yeah. Um, you know, maybe they've got a lot of excess cash and they're doing a lot of risky things that may not really fit within what you need. And again, it's a very personal process, right? To find yeah, that out because yeah. everyone is different. You and I will be in a very different situation, you know? Um, so you, you have a, um, a wife and a child. I have a wife, but no child, right? So we're already in a different situation. So yeah. what that means to you also, our goals are probably different uh, across the board. So I think, uh, it's something that um, has few exercises that everyone can go through. So, so, so before we wrap it up, I think one other question um, that that I would like to have your opinion on is, why would I work with, say, yourself as an, an, an another advisor um, versus just doing it myself? I think we touched on a few of those points already just now. But um, is there anything else that you want to add on why it makes sense to work with an advisor? Oh, uh, hundreds of things. <laughs> <laughs> well, go ahead. Yeah, I, think, no, I think they're interesting to me because I think a lot of times people think they can do a lot of things on them on their own, right? Um, and, and they say, why would I just oh, pay someone to do this when I can just, you know, rather do it myself and save some money? And again, there, there, I, I want people to be comfortable knowing that there are things that you can do on your own. Um, what you're coming for, what, what are we effectively, what's our value add above and beyond just doing it myself? Um, let me summarize a, a few, couple of things, and let me talk about some other stuff. Um, first off is you're really coming to an advisor for, I would say, experience and expertise. 
one of the things that's I've been fortunate in my job is I've, I've worked with many people in many walks of life that have done many different things. And so I've seen a great many things. And part of my job is to condense all that and, and have it help apply to your specific plan. Um, and to get all of those years of experience and knowledge put all together at once and to help you specifically is a, is a big, big value in terms of doing it with somebody else rather than just doing it yourself. Um, adding to that is the ability to be educated. Um, again, there's a ton of knowledge and time and studying that we do as advisors to really learn about finance. And in working with an advisor, we take extremely complex subjects and we're able to communicate them and I don't I, I say boil them down to simplicity, but we're able to kind of cipher through and pick out the important things that you need to know and understand so that you can make by better financial decisions. So education is a really big part of what we do. The third one, which is a big one for a lot of clients is time. People just don't have a lot of time. Um, they're busy with families. They're busy. Like you said, small business owners are running their business. People are in careers that they're pushing hard for. They're spending time traveling, having fun, doing all those things. When am I going to sit down and, and put all this together and make it work? That's a great thing about an advisor is we can save you a lot of time. And a lot of time. And I think, yeah. I think uh, to that point, um, the hand-holding piece, you can't underestimate, uh, especially with people, like you said, busy traveling, a lot of work, made, then they have a child, a wife. Life gets in the way, right? The last thing yeah. you're on your mind is spending another two, three hours in the evening after work on your personal finances, right? And I think that's yeah. where a lot of the value comes in. And also the hand-holding, like you said uh, you always, you know, you always tell the story that, you know, that's one of the big value adds is, for example, when people buy, let's say, term life insurance, right? They, it's over a certain amount of uh, coverage. They need to go to a doctor, right? And uh, do some tests to get uh, qualified. People, life gets in the way. They will not do it. They forget about it. They set the appointment. I think this is also where the advisor can come in a lot, right? And handhold and make sure you do the things. It's, you know, it's, he's your advisor, right? You're working together. Well, and that, and that, that evolves even more into what I, the, the, what I think is the most important part of my job is, is the partnership for a lot of our clients. This is a long-term partnership. And, and when you're hopefully a good advisor and you have good clients, you get to work with people for the majority of their lives and you get to see their lives change. You get to see them go through things. They achieve goals. Unfortunately, you also see catastrophe and there's a partnership there because you were there for them. When they have questions, when they have um, uh, things they just don't understand, you're, you're a person that they trust and they know that they can come to you and ask you and that hopefully you're going to give them an honest response that's going to be again for them and in line with them. And that's also, that's, that's even more important than a lot of these things is establishing that trust and, and being with them. And again, when you're working with an advisor, they're there as your partner. We were doing an activity, my, my, my partners and I at, at Avrio, and we were trying to come up with, you know, what are services we provide over time with clients that we work with over the long term? And I mean, the minimum we came up with was 50. You know, <laughs> it's, it's, we do a lot of things for people. Some of those things you'll never see because they're done in the background, um, outside of our meetings. Some of those things are done directly with you. The research and the ability to help you with complicated questions or new items, um, you know, simple things like, hey, did you check your tax return and did you take all your deductions? 
well, it just saved you a bunch of money. But but it's a little thing that adds up. And again, that expertise and things that we can do over time with what we with what we collect um, and what we continue to work on can help. So again, I think people can do. I have clients that come to me just for a plan and they self-direct their investments. Fine yep. with that. I have clients who come to me and they want us to do everything. Um, and I think understanding that part of yourself when you're working with as an advisor will help you define that um, in terms of how much you do want to do on your own and how much you want to do in concert with your advisor. But again, I think there's a lot there that we do uh, for people. Yeah, we could probably fill fill a whole show just going <laughs> over this. <laughs> yeah, Mike, but uh, we, we, we're, we're um, I think we had a really good chat. I think everyone will think uh, one or two or all of the things you said are going to be valuable for them. I think it was even valuable for me. In, and I learned a little bit more about you, uh, about your background, which was interesting as well. Um, but yes, this is a super important topic. Um, great answers and, you know, great things for our listeners to take away from. So thank you again for, for, for joining me here. Well, thank you for the chance to share. I really appreciate it. Yeah, I yeah, know. I really, really appreciate it as well to have you uh, on the show. I'm sure we'll have you on again. There's so many more topics that uh, we can cover um, where you're the expert in. So I'm sure we'll, we'll have you on again for the listeners. Um, but with that being said, um, I know you still have to say something um, for being a license holder um, for your firm. Do you want to go ahead? Oh, yes. Just for everybody in terms of um, what we have to do for our standard disclaimer is just to let you know that everything I've talked about in this podcast is intended for educational and information purposes. Um, it's not a, intended to provide specific advice to you um, or an individual. Um, if you have any questions, please do consult with your advisor, tax advisor, or attorney. And again, the views I express here are really that of myself and don't necessarily reflect those of my firm. If you have any questions, um, dealing with myself or my firm, please visit our website at www.avriowealth.com um, for more information. And thank you again. Yeah, again. Hey, thank you, Mike, so much. Uh, it was a pleasure having you on. Um, thank you to all the listeners, as always. Um, any feedback is welcome um, so we can improve along the way. So, so be it. Uh, we'll be with you again in the future and uh, we'll speak soon. Thank you, Mike. Thank you, Phil. All right. Bye bye. That's it for the show this week. Thanks for listening. If you like what you heard, subscribe and leave us a review. The reviews really help us and we love reading your comments as well. In Your Best Interest is hosted by me, Philip Müller. We're produced by Stashway and we're mixed by Mo Ramley.